Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Uh, this week we um, have another interview from Julian Chambliss for his Beyond Impossible segment, and he will be speaking to artist Ari Monroe. Ari is actually, um, you know, worked on, you know, worked with many, uh, m- many studios, um, which include uh, Universal Studios, Hollywood, Warner Brothers Animation, DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, and many more. In 2015. She went on to found Draw Night Crazy Studios. At Draw Night Crazy, Ari provided quality creative work for a variety of clients. Her work has been featured in Black Comets and Black Comets Returns. And she was one of the inkers for I Am Alfonso Jones. So without further ado, we're going to bring Julian on with his um, latest interview with Ari Monroe. Ian, this is Julian Chambliss for Beyond Impossible. This week, I am joined by Ari Monroe. Ari is originally from Kansas City, Missouri. She received a BA in studio art from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and attended the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon Graphics. She has worked as an artist since 1997 for companies such as Universal Studios Hollywood, Warner Brothers Animation, DreamWorks, DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, and many more. In 2005, Ari founded Draw Like Crazy Studios. At Draw Like Crazy, she provides quality creative work for a variety of clients. As an artist, her work has been featured in Black Comics and Black Comics Return. And of course, she was one of the inkers for I Am Alfonso Jones, which featured one of my former guests, Stacey Robinson. So thank you, Ari, for joining me for Beyond Impossible. Thanks for having me on. Well, I wanted to give the listeners a chance to learn a little bit more about your background. So tell us a little bit about your background and your education and your experience sort of getting into art. Okay, well, um, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm a Kansas City native, so I'm a Midwest girl. And I um, went to school at a university here uh, and studied studio art. And after I left here, I went to Joe Kubert School, which is um, a comic and illustration school where I uh, uh, basically learned storytelling and um, I learned animation and just all the things that have to do with 
working as a cartoonist. Um, from there, I worked uh, for a design firm, uh, Mata Design, and we did a lot of work for books and uh, uh, for a lot of different companies, Nickelodeon, uh, DreamWorks, um, uh, just many, many different places, just getting that experience. And that was really awesome. Um, I mentored under an animator, uh, for a little while in LA also, uh, his name was Dan Haskett and, uh, he's, uh, uh, worked for Disney and Warner brothers as well. And he kind of gave me some training, um, for improving my animation and uh, many other opportunities. Uh, and then from there, I worked at Warner, uh, Warner Brothers for a bit as a character uh, artist and cleaning cleanup artist there. And I also worked for Universal Studios. So um, that's just like the basic background. Um, I am a comic book artist. I'm also a caricature artist. And I've done that for many years. And it's part of what uh, has helped me to uh, grow and maintain my business as an illustrator uh, and as a freelancer. Um, so at the moment, I, I actually travel a lot, um, going to different comic book shows and working as uh, artists at the shows and drawing people, um, as well as I work at home doing my own comics, um, working on a story called Tornado Alley, which is uh, features some of my own personal characters, and, uh, and I'm also um, been doing freelance for other books, like, you know, you mentioned the Black Comics book. And um, I was in another book called African American Classics. Um, and I did work for uh, I Am Alonzo Jones with uh, uh, Stacey Robinson and, and John Jennings. And uh, so I've just been, you know, working on making this career work for myself. Um, and finding my way and finding what's right for me because it's, uh, it's a crazy thing when you go to school and everyone is telling you um, how you should be or what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And then you get out there and you find out, you know, that things are very different from that school life. So um, I've just been uh, trying to grow and evolve over time and and do what I like. So that's really interesting. You know, you, you talked about a really varied career path, like being in the Midwest, going out to LA. What were some of the experiences that really formative in terms of setting you on that path? Was it, you talked about having a mentor, uh, was, it, was it a series of mentors? Was there some resources that you leaned on um, that made it clear to you that you could make a career as an artist? Because I know that a lot of people, they love art, but they don't understand the complexity of the business of being a working freelance artist. Um, like I, I had mentors over the years, a lot of them basically teachers. I considered uh, John Jennings to be a bit of a mentor as well because he's just been a big influence in my life and um encouraging as well as stacy who's also very very encouraging of my work uh, one of the things that i struggled with for many many years is you know just like i guess it just comes with the territory but a lack of confidence and always wanting to be better 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 so um like that was just a challenge for me i mean it's different for every artist but you know i wanted to always be improving and um i always found that i was looking outside of myself to to make those improvements and um i don't know just kind of chasing this idea of what it meant to be an artist and work and uh 
And as I've gone through that process, I've learned that, you know, a lot of it is about um, like being yourself and creating the work that speaks to you and then basically sharing it with other people. And that's really how you grow a career. I've, I've found that that was like the most organic thing that I, I've seen happen to me in terms of, of becoming an artist and illustrator. Um, like I've done a lot of freelance work, but when you do freelance work, you kind of become nameless and faceless uh, especially if you're working in companies doing like animation and, and, you know, drawing books for people. Um, so your voice kind of gets hidden under all of those uh, big names, <laughs> I guess you could say. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that because you worked for some really huge companies, companies that everyone knows, but you also have your own creative projects. So what's the big difference for you working on those individual projects? Is it that that question of erasure? And just give people some reference. Can you talk about any of the projects that you worked on in these big companies? And tell us a little bit more about your individual project, Tornado Alley. Well, um, working for a lot of the other companies, you know, you, you're excited to do it because you're like, man, you know, I've always loved this thing. And, you know, you think it's, speaks to you, you you know it becomes like a part of of everything you wanted for yourself or you think it does you know like like I always loved Disney and I grew up you know watching The Little Mermaid and all those movies and I wanted to be an animator but I found that um and I'm not saying everyone who goes goes through the same thing everyone has a different experience every artist experience is different but for me um I felt like I was like a cog in the wheel you know they had an agenda they had a project that they wanted to complete and I was the the hands that completed it you know Mm. as opposed to when I'm working on my own personal work you know I can actually put my vision into what I'm creating and um my own personal ideas are expressed you know like when you're working for the bigger companies you go in and you if you're not like one of the upper staff for example if you're say not a director or something like that um your voice can kind of get lost i guess Mm -hmm. you could say okay so i think that you know and then there's always the corrections 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 you know like um you do something and then they're like oh well that's not quite what we wanted so you need to change it and so you change it and change it and change it until it's nothing that nothing there that that's you anymore you know um and like i said that may not be the experience that everyone has but that was just my experience right Um, so i kind of started to feel like well i can work this nine to five and do this pretty much passionless job every single day um and all of that or i can freelance and and um have a lot more of a voice in in the creation of what i'm doing so i kind of i kind of switched gears um, I'd always done caricatures. And so that, that was a place where I could, um, do freelance and create things for people. And still, you know, people see my work and they see my style and they can enjoy it for what it is. Um, but, um, when it comes to comics and stuff, like, uh, I, I wanted to be able to be more expressive. And one of the things I always feared, um, and fear is a really big thing, it's a big issue, because it can hold you back from from making progress. But um, I feared that as a, a black illustrator, 
illustrator, like all my characters reflect who I am. So um, Tornado Alley is about a young woman who is obviously a black woman because I'm a black woman. And I I actually created the character when I was like 16 and um, I have been just kind of playing around with the stories and the ideas for many years. And so um, what basically happens is, is it's a playoff of um, the Wizard of Oz, like Tornado Alley, which is what the Midwest is called is Tornado Alley. Right. Yeah. But then <laughs> the Wizard of Oz also, because you're dealing with being in a different world, like uh, as a result of being in said storm of life. And um, so the character kind of goes through these weird dreamscapes and has all these strange adventures, but she's African-American because she's a reflection of my life, you know? And I used to really have a big fear that that would be unacceptable because I'd seen people look at a comic with black characters in it and go, oh, that's not for me. Or, oh, those characters are Black, so that must be for Black people. Or, like, there's just some kind of weird stigma around it, you know? Right. Um, at least in my personal experience. But I think what changed for me is um, I'm a big fan of Toni Morrison. Um, okay. I really love her her writing. I love her work. And she said, I've been watching some of her interviews and she talked about how her audience was black women and um, that was okay, you know, and she's, you know, a very well-educated woman. And, and I'm like, I'm looking at that going, she's built her career on these books that she's written about the struggle and of being African-American, of being female, of all of these different things. And her voice has been clearly heard and it's been okay. So I had to like reach a point where I could understand that it was okay for me to just be myself and make the things that appeal to me as a person, as opposed to trying to make something that appealed to everyone else. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but no, I, I, I totally get it. In fact, that, that was one of the questions I had, like how is how is identity shape your work? And you seem to be saying that one of the things that's really been a creative um, transformation for you is ex- accepting that like your perspective as a person of a woman of color um, is a viable narrative that there are other people out there want to see. Right. And I think it's funny because, you know, I've drawn this character for a really long time and um, I've shared her here and there and I've posted comics of her here and there. And I've had some people respond very positively but um i find that we're in a weird time like it seems like black women are popular or something like all of a sudden black girls are like the thing Uh, (laughs) i'm seeing that everywhere and like so when i started showing my work to other women of color like they immediately got very excited about it because suddenly there was a positive thing out there that portrayed them in a way that they felt like they looked and how they felt Oh, and it's because I was just being myself, you know, in right, the world, yeah. you know, um, like we like anime and we enjoy watching Star Wars and we enjoy sci-fi and horror and all of these things. And one of the things I always like, I, it happened even just this past weekend is like people just automatically look at you and stereotype you like this is who you are because of how you look. And it's funny because I was I was with my roommate in Chicago. I was at Wizard World Chicago this 
past weekend um, doing a comic show and I'm getting off the train and one of the security guard is there and I'm asking him directions where do I go so I can make my transfer and he's he's like oh this is where you need to go and it's like so everything okay like where are you guys headed to and I was like oh we're going to Wizard World Chicago uh, we're going to be drawing at, at the convention and he looked at me he said wait a second he goes so you're an artist and I was like yeah and he's like and, and you draw comics and I'm like yeah and he's like you don't look like a comic artist and I just was like so what does a comic artist look like <laughs> and like my roommate she just was looking at his face the entire time because she said he looked like he was petrified after he said that like oh man i just messed up by saying that to this person <laughs> and it was a hilarious situation we laughed about it all weekend because the guy was like oh oh uh, well you know uh, i guess there's not really a way that a comic artist looks you know and so like i feel like there's this in- invisible group you know and and as a black female there's this invisible group of us that love doing these different things but like we don't even look at each other and go oh you're an artist or you're an artist because we don't we don't like see ourselves you know Mm. We don't see ourselves being portrayed that way and other people don't see us being portrayed that way. You know, it's always the loud, rowdy black girl who's snapping her fingers and cursing a lot and, you know, being sassy, which I really hate being called sassy. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Okay. And all the stuff that's portrayed on on television, but you never see us portrayed as the creative person or the brilliant person or the really smart person. And and when we are, it's like still like got that weird like powerful mad black woman stigma attached to it. <laughs> you know, like like uh, it's crazy to me. So when I see shows like Insecure, for example, which has been on HBO, and um, I see other things happening where women are black women are being creative, it's really inspiring because you get to see that yes, this is an intelligent, creative group of people who have a voice and who contribute to our society in a very major way. Um, and so I'm like, okay, it's it's okay for me to just be me and uh, not stress about how other people are going to perceive that anymore, you know? Yeah. That, Take or leave it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people will respond to because it's an overarching narrative that seems to be unifying a lot of uh, people of color who are creative. It, it is unexpected. Yet that you know they're invisible, but now there seems to be a moment where they're becoming more visible um, in the mainstream, and in and in some places they're sort of like just off the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I want to give you a chance if if you want to follow up um, on you and your work, where can they find you online? Um, I have a Facebook page. Um, it's under Ari Monroe. Um, it, you can also do a search for Ari Monroe art on Google. Okay. Um, I'm currently working on rebuilding my website. I used to have a blog that I maintained. Um, but when social media kind of became the big popular thing, I stopped and it kind of went to the wayside and I decided I wanted to have that back. So I'm rebuilding that, that part of things, um, where I have like a little home for my personal work to share and to talk about 
art and comics and illustration as well. Um, and so just search for my name under on Google and lots of things will pop up. You'll also find my caricature site, which is drawlikecrazy.net. And um, if you want to get private or personal commissions um, or have me come draw at your party, I can do that too. <laughs> oh, wow. You, you'll come draw at someone's actual party? Yes, I actually will travel to your party and I will draw for you for however hour, many hours you would like. Oh, wow. So that's a part of my thing. Oh, okay. That's great. Um, well, uh, our, our segments are always pretty short, but the time flies by fast. And I, I really appreciate you sharing your story and, and giving us some insights into your work. Is Tornado Alley out there in the world? or you're, you're... Um, There's not a lot of Tornado Alley online. You can look it up and find it on DeviantArt and a couple other places. But I recently just finished... Um, a book, uh, just a, it's a 20 page story with also like a lot of, uh, making of sketches and things. And I'm going to be, um, sending that to print here pretty soon. And I'm working on writing more stories because, um, I don't know, it, it took me a long time to recognize how important my voice could be. And I have a little niece and it's always kind of funny. She loves art and she's coming over tomorrow and we're going to we're going to draw together she's only like 10 and um like she has all these coloring books and they're like disney princesses and stuff and i'm i'm like well what if she had a coloring book with characters that weren't princesses but they still look like her and they liked art and they liked doing things she likes to do and they're not some weird unattainable lifestyle like living in a castle somewhere but you know there's something much more real so like that's another idea that I have on the table that I want to start to develop and and so I can share it with her as she's getting older and likes art and likes to draw. And um, so, yeah, um, those are the places you can find me. I would say Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I put a lot of stuff on Instagram. Just look for Ari Monroe. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for spending the time, Ari. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you're out there listening in podcast land, uh, catch me again for the next interview for Beyond Impossible on Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Bye. Hi, this is Tom O'Pennicott, and you're listening to the SFP Now podcast. And that's about it for this week. I'd like to thank Julian Chambliss for uh, for bringing us this great interview. Um, and also uh, thanks go to Ari Munro for agreeing to uh, be on the show. Um, we're going to have lots of great stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Um, and don't forget, you can actually subscribe to our uh, our feed um, on Stitcher, which is, um, you know, you just tap in Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. And you can, you know, pick up our feed and subscribe at Stitcher. You can also subscribe with the same keyword, Sci-Fi Pulse Radio, at iTunes. And we're now on the um, I Love Radio um, thing as well. Um, again, same same keyword, Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Um, but that's all we've got for time for this week. Um, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back at you next week. Bye.